Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the 2010 Darcy Lecture Series. Um, this uh, lecture series, this term, is dedicated to the 400th anniversary of Mattel Ricci's passing. And uh, I'm really pleased that I would have this opportunity to share my experience with all of you. And again, my gratitude to all of you, and especially the colleagues from Campion Hall. Um, the focus of my lectures is going to be, as I shared with all of you, on the perspectives of the Chinese scholars from mainland China today on the study of Christianity in China, based upon a few specific research works by Chinese uh, scholars. And um, they have done recently a tremendous amount of work uh, on this particular subject. And my intention is by sharing uh, those research works with you, and we could uh, be inspired to initiate, to initiate more possible collaborations with Chinese scholars in China. Well, in the last lecture, I presented a new research by a Chinese scholar based on the growth of the local Catholic communities in Fu'an, a small county in the northeast of Fujian province in the 17th and 18th centuries. In this lecture, I would like to quickly move forward our clock by 200 years and drew our attention to another research on the life of Chinese Christians in China today. And to set up the historical background for this research, it would be helpful for us to spend a few minutes by continuing the timeline of the last lecture, namely from the end of the 18th century into the present by giving a few milestones in the Chinese modern history. And this is Fujian, and in China, in Ming Dynasty that we talked about. And the, if you re re remember this particular slide, the execution of Bishop Pedro Sanz in 1747, well, it did not stop the growth of the Catholic communities in Fujian, nor did it stop the spread of Christianity in a country. Thus, more severe persecutions followed. Similar religious cases took place in 1754, 1768 to 69, and 1784 to 85 throughout the country. The emperor continued his orders to arrest Chinese Christians and expel missionaries. On a report from the governor of Fujian in 1790, which described how difficult it was for the governor to suppress and arrest missionaries and Chinese Christians in hiding and running, Emperor Qianlong wrote in his typical imperial notation, do more, no empty talks, Pedro Tsai is from Fujian. If he's nowhere to be found, where else can he be? You have not done your best yet. It is interesting to mention that this Pedro Tsai was actually a Chinese priest who was trained in uh, Naples in Italy and uh, in this, um, by this um, Italian order called La Santi Famiglia. So eventually, because of this continuing suppression, 
Eventually, the nation's wide anti-Christian atmosphere led to drastic decline of the total number of Western missionaries. In some cases, down to one to two working in one province by the end of the 18th century in China. By the early 19th century, according to a data collected by the late um, Arnold Kampf, there were only 23 foreign missionaries and 80 Chinese priests in the entire country. In the following 150 years, between 1800 to 1950, 150 years, China experienced unprecedented events in its relations with foreign countries. The last of two open wars by China from 1840 to 1842, the first one, and 1856 to 1860, respectively, resulted in a series of humiliating unequal treaties between China and the Western powers, allowing, among others, foreign missionaries the freedom to establish churches and purchase properties in all province, uh, provinces of the empire. Consequently, much greater number of Christian missionaries arrived in the country, both Catholics and Protestants from Europe and the United States, and many came literally with Western gunboats. The Boxer Rebellion, which took place at the turn of the 19th to the 20th century in response to the imperialist expansion, growth of foreign influence, and drastically increased missionary evangelization in China, did not result in any, anything that met its original goal to support the Qing Dynasty and destroy the foreign. Instead, the crushing defeat of the boxers and the Qing government by foreign troops of eight countries produced further treaties in favor of Western military, commercial, and religious interests in China, and ultimately led to the downfall of the last dynasty of China and founding of the Republic in 1911. Now then, in the following 40 years from 1911, uh, roughly to 1950, in addition to evangelization work in every province of the country, Western missionaries developed a variety of mission enterprises in China, including universities, secondary schools, hospitals, orphanages, printing presses, and more. As the influence of Christian enterprises of evangelization, charity, and social functions in China grew, grew, so did the population of Christians in China during the same period. Take the Catholic, for example. One study reports 250,000 Catholics in the country by 1845, and 100 years later, by 1945, the number increased more than 10 times and reached to 3,295,000. And of course, as we know, 1949, what happened? The takeover of the government by the communists completely changed the landscape of Christianity in China. The massive expulsion of foreign missionaries in the 1950s, further suppression of all religious activities, especially Christian religions, which were considered a byproduct of Western imperialism, and, the establishment, and later on, the establishment of what 
people call nowadays the Protestant Free Self Church. And officially, uh, it is, the name of that is Free Self Patriotic Movement Committee of the Protestant Churches of China. It's a mouthful of a you know, definition. And the Catholic Patriotic Church, and officially, it is called Chinese Patriotic Catholic Association and respect, uh, respectively 1954 and 1957. That lay the social foundation of the situation that Christianity, Christianity was facing in the 1950s and is still affecting the development of Christianity in China today. And according to Gary Tiedemann, a historian of Christianity in China, from the late 16th century to the mid 20th century, approximately 50,000 Western missionaries worked in China, including the wives of the Protestant missionaries. Physical presence of the foreign missionaries in China did not end until 1970, when the last American bishop, James Welsh, who was a Maronal bishop, uh, was expelled from the country after spending more than 10 years in prison. Research works in the past few decades by Chinese scholars on Christianity in China from early 1800 to 1949 cover broad areas from mission history, education, and social movements. And I will discuss those studies and their contributions to the larger area of Chinese Western cultural exchange in my last presentation. In addition to these studies, with a surge of the Christian population in China since the 1980s, there is an interesting, there is a growing interest among Chinese scholars who are beginning to study the life of Chinese Christian communities in rural areas of the country as a viable social force in Chinese society today. Thus, in this lecture, I'm going to bring your attention to yet another research by young Chinese anthropologist, Dr. Huang Jianbo from People's University of China. And similar to Dr. Zhang's research that I shared with you in the first lecture, and Dr. Huang's research also focuses on a rural Chinese community. What sets the two apart, among others, are A, difference in historical period, 17th to 18th century for the former, but 21st century for the latter. B, difference in geographical areas, Fu'an County in Fujian province in southeast China for the former, and the Wu village in Gansu province in northwest China. Uh, the third difference is the denomination. Uh, <coughs> The former deals with a Catholic community, and the latter uh, deals with a Protestant community. However, similar to Dr. Uh, Dr. Zhang's research, what Dr. Huang concerns about is the life of people in rural communities as affected by their Christian faith. Thus, in addition to examining archival sources, local gazetteers in Chinese, which, as I indicated earlier, are rather scarce. Participation in the life of the local Christians is part of his methodological approach to connect faith, people,
people and society today. And to conduct his research, this Dr. Huang visited the Wu village four times between the year 2000 and 2002 and stayed with a Christian family in this village for a total of 11 months. This was followed by three more visits from 2005 to 2007 after he completed his studies. The purpose of his visits, as he stated, is not so much so as to construct a fact or reconstruct a fact, but to understand a life, namely the life of a rural Christian community today. This is what I feel the most valuable contribution he has made to our research on Christianity in China by Chinese scholars. Now, a brief review of the history of the presence of Christianity in the Wu village will help us understand Dr. Huang's work a little bit more. Now, Gansu province is in the northwest of China, one of the poorest provinces in the country. The 2008 official statistics states that the per capita GDP of this province with over 30 million people is 12,000 RMB yuan, which is just slightly more than 1,000 pounds. Now, the place that we're going to talk about is Tianshui Prefecture, is one of the wealthiest in the uh, entire province, and the total um, per capita GDP is about 55,000 yuan, which is about 5,000 pounds per year in 2008. The first Christian missionary who set his foot in the area is by the name of George Parker, a missionary sponsored by the China Inland Mission, which is what we call CIM, in 1876. It was followed by another two CIM missionaries, John Martin and Douglas Harding, in 1880. By 1898, the first Christian community was organized, and by, 19, uh, by 1890, the first church, I'm sorry, by 1900, the first church, was, which was made of no more than four simple shacks in the region, was built. And I'm sorry that I couldn't find any proper photo of that particular church, but these two sketches pretty much represent the uh, kind of a preaching location and uh, or structure that those earlier CIM missionaries set up in that particular region. And if you look closely, and I'll point out here if this works, and here it clearly indicates the name of that church um, by Chinese, Fuintang, or Hall of Grace, and uh, in English, which was a common term used by Protestant missionaries at that time. The son of the original founder of the church shared with Dr. Huang, my father used to be a believer of Taoism, but was converted to Christianity, to Christianity by Mr. John Martin. After his conversion, he donated his Taoist chapel, a Taoist chanting chapel, along with a small piece of land as part of the new church building. 
because the original elders were four founders of the newly constructed church, and most of the members of the church were family members and close relatives, they, they nicknamed the church Tang, the Hall of Four. Thus, our title begins the Hall of Four. I need to point out that during the first 50 years of the 20th century, the presence of the missionaries, both Catholic and Protestant in Northeast China was quite visible, although it was not until recently that the study of their work, such as evangelization, education, famine and natural disaster reliefs, and uh, has begun to attract increasing attention among Chinese scholars. In spite of some difficulties, and Chinese scholars were able to gain access to some already limited primary resources in Chinese. On the other hand, the, um, the amount of information through photographs, diaries, reports, minutes created by Western missionaries is overwhelming. To take one example of the three sisters of CIM, for example, as an example, in addition to the actual evangelization education work as they travel through the northeast region of China all the way to Xinjiang province, or autonomous region uh, today, in the early 20th century, they also documented their trips through their diaries and reports and eventually produced 20 publications, an invaluable source of information for us today on this particular subject. While Western missionaries were taking roots in both cities and countryside in the first 20, 20th centuries of the 20th century, several social movements in China directly affected Christian missions in the country, particularly one in the 1920s to 1930s, anti-religion, anti-Christian movement. This movement, as pointed by Daniel Bayes, an American historian, marked a crucial stage in the maturity of the Chinese church, and he emphasized the Chinese church, namely resulting in independence of the Chinese church in China. The movement also affected Chinese community in the, in the Wu village in 1928. In that year, the local Christians changed the name of the church from the Hall of Grace to Church of Christ in China, which runs parallel to many of the churches, um, independent churches at that time in China. They also took over the administration of the church without alienating Western CIM missionaries in, in evangelization. They elected local Chinese as elders and preachers. It was one of the first 600 such independent churches in China at the time. By 1951, when the last CIM missionaries left the region, there were 25 churches with over 2,000 Chinese Christians in that entire Tianshui region. And the Wu village by then maintained a number of 200 Christians. Now, the real growth of the local church and this community 
did not take place until the early 1980s, a few years after what we call the Cultural Revolution, and when the central government loosened its policies on religious affairs. By the uh, 1990s, the number of Christians in Wu village reached to 1,000, which runs parallel to the situation in the entire country. And here we come to the Wu village. And research works by Chinese scholars in recent years have examined such an unprecedented, unprecedented phenomenon, especially in rural China. And they suggest four possible reasons as a combined explanation. First, lack of sufficient scientific knowledge and fear of natural phenomenon. Second, value system crisis as the result of the decades of the Communist Party control. Third, growing interest among intellectuals to seek for the source of democracy and prosperity. And last, not the least, internal human desire for spiritual needs. Nevertheless, the issues that Dr. Huang is trying to examine are, more are not so much so of exploration of reasons, but how did an indig indigenized Han Christian community survive and revitalize in spite of the decades-long state control and political interference? In what ways do the local Christians clash with or complement the traditional values, both in daily life and in faith. And as industrialization and urbanization in China progress, how does it affect the spiritual life of the local Chinese Christian community? And Wu family is the location where he wanted to obtain some answers to the above questions. Well, According to the Chinese popular legends, and both this person, legendary person by the name of Fu Xi, and also the other person by the name of Nunhua, the very ancestors of Chinese, and they happen to be born, both were happened to be born, as the legend goes, in this Tianshui area. Therefore, there has been a long history of ancestral worship in this region. Because of this, the local Fuxi temple is an icon of the established Chinese heritage. Confucianism, Taoism, Buddhism permeate the local society through ancestral rites, ceremonies of various kinds, and clear local lineage family system. However, the local attitude towards Christianity is very subtle. Soon upon his arrival of this village, Dr. Huang was drawn by a noticeable presence of Chinese couplets at the door of almost every household throughout the village. Popular in this area, the locals use these couplets to express, to express wishes for almost anything any aspect of their daily life, including, of course, to, to start with patriot, uh, patriotism, longevity, successful marriage, happy new year, and construction of a new house, Christmas, expression of religious beliefs, or even condolences for the death of the loved ones. 
In a way, these couplets reflect the mind of the local people. So during the first few months uh, of his residence in the Wu village, and Dr. Huang was running around, copy, copied about 300 couplets and trying to make sense out of that. Out of this, you know, those couplets, however, one particular uh, pair hanging under the drum tower that leads to the nearby Fuxi Temple reads, and I'm going to read it in Chinese so that you get kind of a rhythm of that and uh, in terms of Chinese poetry. It's a little loose kind of a Chinese poetry. And then I will translate it into Chinese. Well, the first line reads, which can be translated into Confucianism, Taoism, Buddhism, all religions moralize people. And the next line reads, Bells, drums, and songs of praises all sing for the love of the country. Many meanings can be inferred from the two, the two lines, although for those of us who understand Chinese poetry, it is not really neatly formatted. There's something missing in terms of the rhyme and pair of words. Clearly, and in this couplet, the exclusion of Christian religion is not so much so of a casual negligence, it's especially not at a, such a public place as under a drum tower. It indicates that even today, by and large, Christian religion is still considered somewhat foreign and different by many locals in comparison to the level of acceptance that Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism have. The total number of Christians is over 1,000, as I mentioned earlier, which took up one-third of the entire population in the Wu village. However, this fact does not necessarily mean acceptance locally, automatically. Now, about this three-self church and also the house church, as we often read in the uh, news media. Well, the Protestant church in China today is divided into uh, three-self church and house church. And of course, the three-self church is a government-run institution, whereas the house church are non-government approved Christian communities. Which one does the Wolf Village Church of Christ belong to? And examination of the relationship by Dr. Huang between the government and the Christ of Church in the Wu Village and the internal organization of the Church of Christ in the Wu Village and its daily activities present a rather complex picture. Administratively, the Church of Christ in the Wu village is under the local uh, prefecture three-self committee. 
So it is, you know, in name or institution, it's a government, you know, approved uh, community. However, all of its activities, including preaching, worshiping, propagation, and baptism, are independently initiated and organized without much, if any, interference from the above institutionally. In reality, with only one full-time preacher at the prefecture level of the Three Self um, uh, Committee, the influence of the Three Self Church is anything but a full control. On the other hand, unlike many house churches, the Church of Christ in the Wu Village is not against the Three Self Church, at least not openly. After a self-administered selection process, it does respect the recognition of the Three Self Church Committee of the Tianshui Prefecture for the, select, uh, for the selected elders and deacons. Clearly, the widely accepted notion of either or, namely a local Christian either belongs to the Three Self Church or house church does not convincingly define what the Church of Christ in the Wu, in the Wu Village is. Such a phenomenon, according to Dr. Huang, is not rare in rural areas of China, and it is a danger to generalize which one belongs to what. Now, during one of the conversations that I had with Dr. Huang, and he showed me that very interesting picture of the Wu village, as we can see from afar. Among many houses in this village, the cross on the top of a village church is visible. However, something very small in the picture, almost invisible, can be seen. On the, on the street light pole, there are four loud speakers. And here it is. There's a light pole. Now one day, Dr. Huang recalled, I was attending a Sunday gathering. Just as we finished the hymns and Mr. Liu, one of the elders, was prepared to preach, there came a series of announcements through the ear-piercing loudspeakers about local affairs. The voice of Mr. Liu was almost drowned completely in the deafening sound wave. But curiously, Nobody seemed to pay any attention to the loudspeakers. Instead, they seemed to be used to the noise and became more focused on the preaching." End of the quote. Although many changes have taken place in China for the last three decades, the presence of the authoritarian control is still predominant throughout the country, and it is certainly so in the Wu village. The loudspeakers controlled by the local government, symbolize ultimate power of the state. Yet, the image of the local faithful singing Christian, hymn, Christian hymns against such a background present a subtle, complex relationship between the church and the government in China today. In religious affairs, local governments of different areas have adopted different attitudes ranging from suppressing, uh, suppression to tolerance, from intervention of church affairs to paying attention to the livelihood of the local Christians. 
The local government of Tianshui Prefecture, according to Dr. Huang, and this Wu village is part of that, seems to belong to the latter. As a result, the local Christians have responded reciprocally by emphasizing that good Christians are also law-binding citizens. Within their own community, regular gatherings in faith led to mutual support of each other among Christians. Marriages between Christian families are highly desirable, although it is not possible for local Christians to hold any official government positions, they have learned to uh, they have learned to protect their own interests through established government policies, sort of using the government policies to protect their own interests against the government, you know, some measures in, implemented by governments, uh, by the government. And for example, um, upon the announcement of the new policies of the central government, for the return of the confiscated church properties in 1982. And the Christians in the Wu village were among the first to file a petition, resulting in the return of the church building locally. To them, the explanation is quite simple. It's not the good wishes of the government, but behind all governments and policies, there is still the mighty God. Now, as mentioned above, Fuxi is considered by many as the symbol of Chinese culture. Because Tianshui is believed to be the legendary birthplace of Fuxi, the two local Fuxi temples constructed in the late 12th century and early 16th century are the most frequented places by locals for ancestral rites ceremonies. This has lasted for centuries, except during the period between 1958 and 1988, when such rituals were strictly banned. Although secretly, rites ceremonies never stopped, even during the Cultural Revolution period. Today, accompanied with special local market days, the biannual Fuxi Temple Fair is the activity of the year in the region. In addition to its cultural implications, it is, a, it is a grand local celebration that benefits all, benefits all. For local officials, it is an occasion to showcase the local prosperity as the result of their leadership. And, it is, and for merchants, it is an ideal time to make money. For most locals, their monotonous life was pleasantly interrupted and to a great extent enriched by such a fanfare from the most popular, such as the local operas, to the most bizarre, such as cast drawings for medical treatment in gynecology or andrology. And there's a little box here, and people to go, and here, is andrology. In other words, if you have any problem and you pick a, a stick and it tells you what kind of a treatment you should get. And then it, it, there's another box not within this picture 
and it's for gynecology. And a woman will go and see what treatment they should, she should get. And interestingly enough, this box is for eye doctors. And because of the heavy wind and dust locally, a lot of people had this eye disease. So they're hoping that they could get some advice for treatment in that area. And for the young, of course, it is an ideal occasion to explore for the new and curious and the best occasion for possibly a good date. It is an occasion that demonstrates to the fullest extent culture, economy, belief, and local life. However, according to Dr. Huang, the only group of people who are, in, who are indifferent by keeping a polite distance from such a huge local fanfare is the local Chinese Christians. In response to temple fair, and here we can see some of them, and also the offer of sacrifice and all of that, and in response to the temple fair, they take a subtle attitude because it, was, it is so popular and their attitude towards such a popular fair um, ha, you know, has to be subtle. So they take a subtle attitude of three knots, not to interfere, not to participate, and not to pay any attention to. It is against their Christian faith to, to pay homage to any deity or ghost. This certainly includes the rituals in memory of Fuxi. As much as they love the local operas, the last thing they want to have is to have anything to do with deity and ghost, including operas performed at the local temple fairs where super, uh, superstitious rites are celebrated. Further, they take concrete measures to refuse any contribution to the shared costs for the fair, including the cost for the local opera performance. Such an attitude certainly creates fractions between the Christians, the local administration, and people of other communities. An invisible line of division is certainly in existence. Moreover, after living in the village for almost about a year, Dr. Huang emphasizes in his study that this dividing line between the local Christians, the we group, and non-Christians, the they group, is not simply between one's religious experience, between those who believe in the Holy Spirit and those who believe in deity and ghost, or between those who attend church service and who practice ancestral rites celebration. And it is also a typical of the local Christians in the Wu village to practice um, ascetism and no drinking and smoking. And these are off limit for the local Christians. Now, the rapid economic development in China has, cer has certainly had profound influence in the village, in this village of 3,000 residents. Now, a new train station is only 16 kilometers from the village, a newly constructed National Highway is just three kilometers away with a well-maintained local highway. Traffic can run into the village directly. One of the immediate results of the nationwide economic growth and urbanization is the drastic decrease of number of men 
who have taken on jobs in nearby cities and other provinces. In spite of the surge of the number of Christians from the late 1970s to 1980s, the number of people who received baptism gradually slowed down. Beginning from the late 1990s, people who were newly baptized became rather scarce. Today, about half of the 1,000 Christians in the Wu village have left. Most of them are men and young women, and they have left for other seasonal and permanent jobs elsewhere. And the number of people who regularly attend religious gatherings has dwindled to more than 100. The majority of them are elderly and older women. Thus, the role that the Christ, this particular Chinese Christian community plays in local social life is becoming less significant. The church is weaker now, said one senior member of the community. However, in spite of the, the above mentioned changes, Dr. Huang also observed a possible hidden change that is taking place gradually, slowly, within the church population of the Wu village and beyond. On different occasions, Dr. Huang interviewed three young Chinese Christians who were born in the village but have jobs in cities uh, elsewhere, and they regularly returned to their hometown for visits and found striking similarities between the three of them. First, all of them were born into Christian families and dragged by their parents to go and attend church services when they were little, but with little religious experience when they were growing up. Second, all seemed to have renewed understanding about Christian faith independently through their own life experience. One is a university student or graduate, the other is a soldier, the third one is a migrant worker in Shenzhen. Third, all have renewed their commitment to their Christian faith by being more involved in different communities of their current place of residence. The moving population within the Wolf village as a result of the economic development has certainly contributed to the weakening of the local church. On the other hand, it seems that because of their experience in the more secularized environment as individuals, Christian faiths in some of them have revived and strengthened. The church in the Wolf Village has witnessed tremendous amount of changes and since its humble start more than 100 years ago. The cross on the top of the church still stands visib visibly from afar, while the loudspeakers of the local government still blow deafening announcements every day. Whether it is the Hall of the Four, the loudspeakers, the biannual temple fairs, the shifting demographics of the local population, all have been changing in terms of contents, formats, subsequent influence on the growth of the church locally. And these changes are continuing today. Thank you.